listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. All right, Jeff, welcome back from our really extended hiatus. We haven't talked in over two months. Actually, that's not entirely true. But so get it all out. You can get it all out right now. I'm giving you one chance to get it out. You got 30 seconds to do it, and then we're not talking about it again the rest of the year. Go. Are you talking about the choke? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're out of time. Once again, done. once again, once again, I was sucked in to rooting for the Ohio State University and they disappointed me. But there's always next year and you did beat Michigan. So I guess that makes it a good year for Ohio State, right? Well, I, I think it was a good year for Michigan because they didn't have to play Ohio State. <laughs> 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 that was that was the takeaway for them. But all right, so that was your 30 seconds. We're never, never talking about it again. I'm not even going to comment on all the things you got wrong about that synopsis, but because I want to move on to more important things. So hey, 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 you should know in my Netflix list, there's a documentary out there about the rivalry. Have you seen it? No, I didn't know there was one out. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I did save it to my list in anticipation of watching it. How about if I do this? I'll watch it and then I'll tell you whether or not you should take the time to watch it. How's that? That works for me. I'll be curious to know how much they actually got right or wrong only because I, <laughs> as a teenager, I actually, I read a really, really great synopsis of the entire history of that rivalry going all the way back to the 1890s. So actually, I probably know more about the history of that than, than the average fan. And then of course, having lived it the last you know 30 years of my life, you know, Know, passively or actively paying attention at various points. I feel like I probably have a pretty good rap on, on how that story unfolds. So I'd be curious to see if they got it right. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. So I've been really busy. You've been sulking from the loss and what, did you go back to the beach and just spend time in the sun? Well, the city of Columbus is shut down for two straight months. Nobody's leaving their house as a result. No, we've we we moved on pretty quickly. It's been been really busy. So, and that in, in a lot of ways, I think is the topic for today. Just sort of want to talk about what's going on, you know, in the professional services landscape. Sort of what you're seeing, what I'm seeing as we sort of set the stage for 2021. You know, the conversations you're having with clients and prospects, and sort of the same on my side. What do we see as as sort of the pervasive themes of the year, and and what's happening inside of firms right now? So. You want to start? Never. I'd like you to start so I can beat you up and hmm. go from there. That's true Michigan man, fast follower. Okay. So <laughs> look to the Buckeyes to innovate. So here we go. My overarching theme, and this kind of cuts across everything that we even talked about setting it up, is I guess what I'm seeing sort of across the board, both with clients and prospective clients, is a mindset shift that finally started to play out around late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and now is manifesting itself now out of survival and into growth and investment. So you know, there was this time period where I think everyone was so focused on survival. And then I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, I think we also, we didn't comment on this and I don't think we want to comment on any great depth, but yeah, we went through a pretty tumultuous period between you know, a November election, a January 6th riot and a January 20th inauguration that also had people a little bit kind of just maybe looking around going, okay, let's let this all subside and then we'll get serious. Anyway, you know, as we sit in early February recording this, I guess what I'm seeing is this kind of just macro 
shift of, hey, we're not playing survival anymore. We're proactively going after where our best growth opportunities and where our best sort of longer term investment opportunities are. And I also see kind of at a high level, and we can get into more details, at a high level, I also see a lot of firms sort of stepping up their game a little bit in terms of their marketing thinking. Clients that maybe didn't spend as much time thinking about things like who is their ideal client? What are the demographics of that client? What are the psychographics and firmographics of that client? Mining their own customer data for the first time and getting really serious about that type of decision-making, getting much more purposeful about where investment resources are going, given the fact that we are operating in an economy that is is incredibly uneven, right? Whereas, you know, in the past, yeah, we'll put a little bit over here, a little bit over there. And well, that doesn't work anymore, right? Because there's over there is a mess and over here is looking great, right? So they, they're, <laughs> they're being a lot more more thoughtful, I think, for the first time, which is a really welcome shift for everyone. So let me pause there. You know, there's a lot of stories to be told. So why don't, you know, we can jump into some stories, but that was kind of like my, my overarching theme. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing something similar, a little maybe nuanced in some ways. Many of my clients and prospective clients have done really well during the COVID. And not just because they're prudent pedal clients, but <laughs> because of the nature of the business, right? In many ways, the market came to them because of the COVID crisis. Business leaders go to the experts in these professional services firms when there's uncertainty about the future and where does the business need to go. And you know, I think kind of in a, in a traditional sense, in the accounting firms, for example, you know, new administration coming into the Oval Office is... I mean, it's a sea change. It's almost 180 degree reversal of where we were the last four years. And what does that mean from a tax and regulatory perspective? But the the two things that I've seen and what really drove a lot of that was of COVID was the move to the cloud, right? In communications, infrastructure or applications, you know, so those that were implementing or selling those type of technologies did really, really well. So the consulting firms, MSPs, SaaS providers all did really well. But you know, the thing that I've heard from clients and all the prospects I've looked at is focus on revenue. Where is the revenue going to come from? That is the big question. And as you alluded to, some practices are up significantly and others are are kind of down, but some of these firms are using this time to invest in innovation or restructure, if you will, the practices to be even more responsive or tuned to the market. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, I think that's really good insight. I mean, I think that there's a cascading effect down the organization to other things as well. You know, the one thing I've been thinking a lot about is, and I, I talked about this, I gave this webinar back in November to a network of accounting and legal firms, global network of accounting and legal firms spread across mostly Europe and Asia, but some in the US. And I remember one of the things that I kind of talked about in that webinar was that owners, so owners of companies, small, lower middle market companies, let's say, I think are much more open and candid about what's happening in their business, even with new advisors than they ever were before. And I think it's just because COVID for a lot of them sort of smacked them in the face and all of a sudden 
good or bad, right? All of a sudden it heightened all of the problems in the business while accelerating mm. the things that were working. And I remember a long-winded way of getting to this point. One of the questions in the webinar when I said this was, you know, essentially somebody from an uh, you know, accounting firm, I think it was, said, yeah, but how do we get clients to open the vest and talk about things like succession and transition and profit and, and things that they don't normally want to talk to us about? And I remember my response was, I think they're more open ever to talk about those types of things. So for firms that are in an advisory capacity, it's like, I think there's just much more open, honest dialogue from business owners about what they want from their business. I think we, we've talked about this, you know, that pandemic forced a lot of introspection for a lot of people and business owners are people. <laughs> so they I may not feel that way at times. And so I think a lot of them are open to that conversation. So I, there's, I think, a chance, and I've also talked about this as well. We also did some research for one of our clients, a software product called Value Scout around perceptions of advisors during the pandemic. And the perception is not great. You know, like I think it's something like, only about 30% of advisors were seen as having stepped up in the moment in a meaningful way. So I think there's like this window of opportunity for professional services firms to step in and it's still there to have really high level value creation, business growth conversations with their clients and solve for big problems that clients are facing in ways that they couldn't have even just 18 months ago. I don't know what all that means. but <laughs> oh, What does that mean? Well, we say it all the time, you know, there's not this monolithic, you know, professional services firms. They all have different challenges. You know, I talked to one prospect quite in depth who had several markets dry up and they had dabbled in other markets that were really thriving in, in COVID and thought they could move into it and get some easy pickings. And when they invested in the marketing to go after them, you know, they came up, you know, snake eyes. There was nothing there because they didn't have permission to play and didn't really understand the value that they were delivering. And I think they thought that their brand, which was really strong in these other markets, would easily transfer over to this industry. And it didn't. It didn't. And they're still scrambling, you know, to hit revenue targets that the board and the leadership team are expecting and needed to get. So I think there were those those people that chose not to go to advisors or the advisors they had were not providing the value like you described and they didn't go out and get new ones. And now they're they're struggling. And to their credit, you know, they tried things but they didn't work. So I think there are a set of firms out there that went down that path. They're like, whoa, we can't go through 2021, you know, guessing we need to guarantee, if you will, that we're going to hit some numbers. Yeah. It's interesting because I, the, you know, we've talked about that a little bit and it all goes back to your concept of brand relevance. And I think one of the things that's played out in this, certainly in this economic environment in the last 12 months has been the bifurcation of a market. People have called it the K-shaped economy, right? Where you've got, and that's, there's so many layers of that, but where you've got, like you pointed out, some companies doing exceptionally well and a bunch of companies doing really poorly. So where do firms all pivot their energy then? Well, they all pivot their energy towards the ones that are on the top of the curve. So now you've got that much more noise coming at you for whatever it is, the firm's 
are, are selling or whatever, you know, issues that they propose to solve. So I think that, you know, I even had a conversation with a, with a lead gen partner one day, this was a couple months ago, and we were talking about agency business development. And one of the things he was saying about agency business development is that pretty much every agency is now pivoting and chasing SaaS companies like they're going out of style, right? Because that's where it's <laughs> like, so the problem is it's so noisy that, of course, what, what, what's the value to be created here? So I think that there's the same issue for firms is that, you know, recognizing that, I don't know, you know, whatever business you're in, if you're in the architecture engineering business, you know, I was looking at, they had construction activity in central Ohio. And as you would guess, residential construction hit an all-time high in 2020 and commercial construction was down, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, opportunities for, you know, AEC services to real estate developers are, are going to follow that same trend, which means everybody's chasing that deal, right? So I, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I'll kind of pivot into another kind of thread here, but I think the other thing that we're seeing when you go downstream from that is if you're going after brand relevance, so, so you're going after a market you've not done business with, and maybe you've underestimated the difficulty of penetrating that market, then obviously that, not maybe not obviously, but the place firms would go is to invest in thought leadership and say, well, time out. If we have no relevance here, no one knows who we are, then we probably need to step back and I used your phrase, step back and and develop an intellectual capital framework around this. You know, what are the issues that we know how to solve and how do we solve them? And let's build some thought leadership programs that can take that, articulate that in the market. So, you know, we're seeing that. I mean, we've had some inquiries from really big firms and even small ones to stand up thought leadership programs in places that they didn't have them before. And so I think at the the root of that is a recognition that hey, we're just not relevant here and nobody, we're not even on the radar. We're not even inside the conversations inside of people's minds right now. And that's, <laughs> we're never going to get a deal in that reality, right? Mm-hmm. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. I'm seeing a couple of, I don't know if they're trends or hypotheses that I've, I've had over the last five years or so, I'm seeing more large firms get really serious about digitization and transformation. And, you know, we've been moving in in that direction, but it's really been kind of that tack on, you know, here's the new fad in, in marketing software, whatever it would be pick your category from, you know, Chief Martech. But there's never been real strategy attached to that. It's like everybody else is doing it. I need this. But the thing that I absolutely love about professional services is they are so sophisticated and so ahead of the market in so many ways. But that sophistication is often misinterpreted as backwards or slow or unsophisticated. But what I'm seeing with the digitization is the conversation and the marketing conversation, the R&D conversations are moving closer and closer and closer, you know, to the sales interactions. 
And I actually had a, a, a marketing person say this the other day, a talented woman in one of the bigger accounting firms talking about how marketing is getting to the table in these sales conversations in so many different ways than they have in the past. And that, to me, is just a golden opportunity and the whole purpose of, of digitization. I mean, right, it's revenue, but those digitization tools are designed for you to have a conversation where your clients are. And COVID accelerated that. I think it's fascinating. I think the opportunity for marketing to really add a lot of value, like you said, around going deep into analytics and in an understanding, but also in a real way of actually being in the conversation instead of just informing it is something that is long overdue. And I can't wait to see it. But nobody does those one-on-one conversations better, I think, and co-development of ideas than consulting firms. To me, it's going to be the fusion of everything good about professional services firms and all this technology coming together at the point where it should at the client. Well, the interesting thing, and I'll take it kind of a layer down from there, is there was a really nice article published by Scott Brinker today or yesterday, maybe, where he was actually pulling from a lot of data that McKinsey just published around what he's kind of coining the emergence of a sales tech landscape. And I I think he's actually probably behind the game on this, to be honest. He's claiming that there's it's at kind of an early stage inception point along the lines of MarTech eight, seven or eight years ago. I think he's just late to recognize it. I think it's probably already at at scale. But but mm-hmm. the data he pulls, which is pretty interesting, it's sort of like a lot of it's pulled from a McKinsey article, but there's a lot of just conversation about sort of the, the accelerated jump in digital interactions with sales reps. So you're talking about, I'll pull some data out real quick. And the research and evaluation phase of a B2B buying cycle, a jump of anywhere from 120 to 150% in just a year in terms of customers having digital interactions with sales reps, obviously. There's a really cool chart from McKinsey about they did effectiveness of digital selling with B2B decision makers using these sort of new digital selling technologies, right? And that and that just goes up, up, up from April of 2020 to July. It goes up like you know, on every category, right? And what and what I mean by all this is I think what we're seeing, and I talked about this at the conference, if you remember, I said, I, I'm calling it, and I'm going to write an article about this shortly, is this notion of collapsing the space between buyers and sellers. So you think about, and I'm going to get really tactical for a second. You think about a traditional website. You know, the website was really just a, it was still after all this journey, sort of just a one-way publishing mechanism for most firms. Here's our case studies. Here's our people. Here's our thought leadership. Interact with it. Here's a contact form right? Like that's kind of the totality of the web experience. And, you know, the, this whole COVID experience has accelerated a couple of, of critical types of technologies, chat tools, tools that enable the visitor to start an interaction with a real human being around a solution, around thought leadership, possibly with a human being that's supported by an AI technology, right? But they're still, they're, they're initiating an interaction in which the site isn't just a, you know, passively directing them. They're able to interact with the site, you know, in some way, shape or form. 
we've been having some conversations with a group called Nine Lenses, and we'll have Tom on here on the podcast around some, you know, his assessment tools that he's been launching for professional services firms and with huge success around enabling, essentially enabling the decision maker to interact with thought leadership in ways that makes it more personal and useful to them and then facilitates a sales interaction, you know, much earlier digitally than it would have been otherwise. I think that the downstream effects of all this is that some technologies that have been around there for a long time now are getting some love and getting some play. And to your point, who in the organization has some skills to adopt these things and stand them up? It's usually not the sales side of the business. It's usually the marketing side of the business. So to your point, Mm -hmm. the marketing function has a chance to sort of be more you know, more a part of the sale for the first time. And there's so many benefits to that. So I'll pause there. And I should warn you, we're coming up on time. <laughs> so, so you don't get a chance to critique any of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the graduate. You know, I have one word for you, plastics. For marketing, as we move in this direction from a technology standpoint, I'm going to assume, no, I won't assume that you have your thought leadership house in order, because I would say 90% of firms don't have their thought leadership house in order. They do a lot of things up at the big B brand kind of thought leadership. And then they hope sales takes that out and does something with it. But it's the big chasm between those two that firms don't get. The best firms get it, but I would say 90 plus percent don't get it. And we're actually going to do a podcast series on creating an effective intellectual capital strategy. But firms have got to get that in order. They have to make sure the technology is aligned for purpose, for purpose, right? And the purpose is revenue generation. But then the word, the word, I have one word for you, Jason and listeners, is orchestration. And that's where marketing needs to be playing because there's just too many technologies. There's too much noise inside firms and definitely outside firms. And where marketing can add the most value is understanding the buyer's journey and where's that friction and confusion from all that noise and concentrate their efforts accordingly. Well, as much as I hate the word, because it stinks, I'm going to actually close on, on one thought of yours that actually I come back to as it relates to that. And you've said this repeatedly, and I think it actually ultimately is the theme for 2021 for most firms, is firms create artificial delineations between marketing, sales, and client service delivery. But to the client, it's one holistic experience. And ultimately, that's, I think, the essence of orchestration. It's what you've said all along that that firms have to go after this year is making sure that that experience is seamless because, you know, there is a massive collapse given the digital buying cycle between those things, you know, much more than ever, you know. So I I think it's a really astute point that you've hit home again and again and again. And I, I do think it is a critical theme for 2021. I think this is going to be a fun year. It is. I think it's going to be a really fun year. year. Really fun. Well, it's going to be a fun year working with clients. I don't know. That's going to be a fun year doing podcasts with you. (laughs) Do you know what? Hey, I I noticed today. Podcast with me. (laughs) 
Yeah. I noticed today we're nine episodes away from 100 episodes. And I look forward to the 100th, 100th episode anniversary with you. We're going to have to do something special. We've got to do something special. So before we get there, what I'd like to jump into next time is I really want to get, I want to get listeners inside of your intellectual capital framework. You know, so something I've had the pleasure of being a part of in the last couple of months since we've been on hiatus is spending time with Jeff on how he uses something called the issues, the solutions framework. And I really want to peel that thing back for our listeners because it's a really, really cool way to look at intellectual capital in a firm. So we're going to embark on a, on a mini series around that, a couple of episodes at least to break that down. So if you're game, that's that's where I want to go next before we get to 100. We got to get that out of the way before we get to 100 when we do something, you know, much more interesting that comes out of my head, right? <laughs> yes. Jason, I missed you, buddy. <laughs> I don't know the listeners did, but I appreciate it. <laughs> so. All right. See you next week. All right. See you. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Go, go, go.